Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. Welcome, everybody, to our 10th True Crime Digest. I can't believe we've gotten to double digits. We're only going to be covering case updates because we've got quite a few. And originally, we were going to talk about Daniel Robinson today as well. But we have so much new information that we've learned about his case that we've decided that we're going to give it its own episode. So we'll be releasing that next week. Yeah. And for this week, then, what we'll be releasing is a couple updates, as well as the second part of our Valo update that included a lot of her family members. Yeah. And that'll be in its own episode, though. So you have two True Creeps episodes to listen to. How exciting. What a great week. What a great week. Also, just as a note, there are some cases that we cover that have updates that we're going to cover in future episodes for time. But just, you know, keep your eyes peeled. You'll know when you know. Things are happening. Things are moving and shaking. Yeah. So it's a lot, (laughs) but all good things. So let's just dive in. We have so many. So the first thing I want to tell you about is the Cecil Hotel, also known as Stay on Main. And that's located in California, Los Angeles area. We talked about how it was haunted and how many horrible things have happened. And then Alyssa Lamb. And then how it was shut down for the longest time. And Richard Ramirez. Let's not forget him. I I loved him and the the horrible things that were there. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. He doesn't get his own footnote. No, fuck that guy. Yeah, I mean, okay, fair. (laughs) So the hotel was turned into affordable housing, the entire hotel. I love this. Which wild to me because I felt like just like a month or two ago, I saw something how they were opening a couple floors and now they're just like the whole damn thing, affordable housing. I would say though, like the way the world is, because people like to act like we're not in a pandemic anymore, but the sad truth is, is that we very much are. And people are not traveling. And when they are, I feel like anybody who I know who's going to a place, they're staying in things like Airbnbs. They're not necessarily going to hotels because they're trying to stay away from other people. I've also like seen so many TikToks about how hotels do and do not clean that I am ruined. Did you know (laughs) that people pee in the coffee pots? Lucky for everyone, I say I'm going to make coffee. I don't make coffee. I go to Dunkin' Donuts and get my coffee. Yeah, because like who wants that weird coffee they give you with the powder creamer? Yeah, no, thank you. But like now you're going to look at it and be like, "Ugh." have I ever told you about ice buckets too? No, tell me about ice buckets. I refuse to use ice buckets. Even with the plastic in there with the plastic thing? I don't know how long that plastic's been there. I don't know if that's fresh. Okay, but like it's like folded. Okay. It has to be freshly folded. What if they touched it? No touching your freshly folded plastic. Yeah, I mean, like you don't know what people have done. Yeah, no. Like, because I think touch it, I'm like, oh, a little poke. But like, with what? Exactly. Yeah, I understand. I understand now. Okay, okay. We're not touching anything. We're bringing our own buckets. We're bringing our Keurigs. I'm just kidding. I'm not bringing a Keurig. I bring Ziploc bags. Full of coffee? I, oh, no, no. I use <laughs> ice for anything I'm drinking. You know, like I'll put it in a Ziploc bag and like make something cool or like throw it in a cooler, but I don't want it touching anything that I'm going to drink out of or drink. I've also seen glasses like they just spray them down with whatever cleaner they're using for the bathroom. Fuck no. Give them a rinse and put them down. And I was like, "Ah, 
ruined so intensely. I'm sorry for all of the hotels we're ruining right now. I'm not sorry. Be better. Be better. (laughs) I want YouTube videos of people cleaning hotel rooms and doing it well. Like that's the type of advertising I want is I want guerrilla marketing of like not disgusting cleaning habits in hotels. Fair. Necessary. Anyway, but the Cecil Hotel isn't a hotel. Yeah. So there was a ribbon cutting ceremony on December 14th of 2021. There are currently 600 single occupancy units for low income people, which is great because that area needs it. They kind of look like dorm rooms. They do. Yeah. And I, I saw, I think it was a TikTok or something a while back that someone's friend or something was like a security guard mm-hmm. and did a quick one of like what a room looks like today. I was like, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah. It looks like a little dorm room. Yeah. You know, I started to say this before, but I went off on a tangent. Surprise, surprise. I think that the reason that they did this was because they probably weren't able to make it as a hotel. You get tons of like community grants and tax credits for doing affordable housing. So it behooves a developer to do that. No, that's true. And then also after that documentary aired, there were plans for what the new hotel would be. And there was things like a rooftop pool that was planned. And people are like, that's disgusting. No. And so I feel like some of that backlash might have had them rethink what they were going to do. That's just my speculation. But like, yeah, how many people were like, ew, I'm not doing that. I'm not paying more to go swim in a pool next to where Alyssa died. Like, no, thank you. No. And also, I don't want to swim in a pool on a roof. I'm afraid of heights. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So when we say affordable housing, we mean that for people to qualify for the housing, the person needs to make 60% or less than the medium income. However, most of the units are designated for people making less than 30% of the median income. And if you've ever been to that part of LA, you know that it desperately needs help. And so this is kind of like a really good step in the right direction to help the people that are in that area. Yeah. And also, most people don't know that they qualify for this. Like they don't know that they can get that. Right. So I hope that the entire hotel kind of has like a new feel to it, too, in a sense. Like it's not murderers and terrible people staying there anymore. It is people that need help. And hopefully they're all helping each other. And it's a wonderful place to go now. Yeah, I feel like a place that has a dark energy could be scrubbed by hope. That's true. And we're going to cross our fingers. That's what it becomes. Mm hmm. So moving on to our next update. And so we've talked about Taryn Summers and Connie Smith before in previous updates. Taryn Summers was an eight-year-old girl who was found in the back of her grandmother's Lexus. Her grandmother was Connie Smith. At the time that she originally was reported missing, two of her siblings were also missing. Then they found them. But her older brother, Tristan, has gone missing again. And he's been missing since early October. He was supposed to be riding to a football game on the school bus, but he left in a car and authorities don't know whose car he got into and he hasn't been seen since. That's horrible. Which is just so heartbreaking because we talked about it last year as well. But so there's Taryn, there's a middle sister, and then there's Tristan. And the sister died as well in an accidental drowning. So terrible. But for the case itself, the jury trial against Connie Smith for failure to notify of a death and concealment is scheduled to begin in March of this year. So it's coming up. I'm interested to see like if we learn more about the case because it doesn't seem as though she just died of natural causes because she was eight. No. And I feel like if a child dies of natural causes, when they're eight, you call the police. You don't put them in the back of your car. Right. So the next stuff we want to talk about is Jelani Day. We've covered his case before as well. Just a quick refresher. Jelani Day was living and going to school in Bloomington, Illinois. He was studying to be a doctor. He was last seen on campus August 24th of 2021, and his car was found a few days later. His belongings were found in various places, 
and then his body was found about a week later floating in the Illinois River. A few months ago, there was rumors that Jelani's organs were missing after his autopsy. So his mother, Carmen, has publicly announced that his organs were not and are not missing. And his mother also had a private autopsy completed, and it revealed that Jelani's front and bottom teeth were missing. Horrific already, right? Oh, gosh. That's interesting. I wonder how they were damaged. Was it like while he was alive after? That's horrible. Yeah. And to me, what I think is that perhaps the way those teeth were broken would show how he died. That's true. That's true. Right. And even more horrific, the pathologist, when talking about this, said that his jawbone looked like it had been sawed out. That poor man. Yeah. Well, when you also mentioned the organs, that's interesting because I've seen some articles about, yeah, they were missing, kind of like it makes me think of Kendrick, right? Yeah, it makes me think of Kendrick Johnson, too. And I think that's why that caught on so quickly, because we're looking at Jelani's case, right? And we're looking at it in light of so far, the way it's been covered is like... Jelani goes missing. There's like not this great pressure to solve it. There's not this like, oh my gosh, what was done to him, right? And then there's Gabby. Yeah. So those cases kind of got like intermingled where like if you talked about Jelani, oftentimes people would contrast it with Gabby's case, right? That's true. And so when you brought in the organs, people then were like, and this is a cover up and this is something that's not going to be correctly investigated, just like Kendrick Johnson. And so I think that's part of like keeping it in the news is being like, it's like this it's like this why isn't it being done like this is that comparison yeah yeah and i think even last time we didn't really say the organs were missing but i want to say she listed them but some were kind of i think she compared them to mush and i want to think that when we talked about it it was because that is what would have happened to them in the body if in the water for that long that period of time yeah yeah but it's just it's interesting i feel bad for his poor mom not having answers to any of this and then saw it out to me that says he did not just die by himself in this river right? Yeah. Generally, people aren't sawing their own jaw bones out. So one of the things that they're trying to do in terms of investigation, which makes complete sense to me, is they're trying to figure out what he was doing in the hours leading up to his death. Fair. And so one of the things they found was that Jelani's professor, Kara Boaster, had been texting with Jelani the day before he went missing. And I just want to point out that he was a grad student. And so grad students, they're smaller classes. You're going to have like a closer relationship with your professors. So I don't think it's that strange that they were texting. No. But the texts were about coursework. He was supposed to meet with her the next morning, but he didn't show. And that wasn't like him. And then she texted him and he didn't answer. Then he didn't show up to class. And that really wasn't like him. So she reported him missing to campus police, who then reached out to Jelani's family. And the internet is very intense about her and her family being investigated. It is very real. The last update we had about Jelani, we talked about how his mom wanted the FBI to join the investigation. As of December, they did. And the Jelani Day Joint Task Force was created. And it's comprised of members of the Bloomington Police Department, the Peru Police Department, which is the county where his body was found, the FBI, the Chicago Division, the LaSalle County Sheriff's Office, and the City of LaSalle Police Department, Illinois State Police, and the Illinois Attorney General's Office. So, good. Finally. Finally. On December 13th of last year, the Jelani Day Task Force announced a $10,000 reward. By the end of December, rewards totaled $50,000. So in addition to the award from the task force, Jelani's fraternity offered $15,000 and the Day family is offering $25,000. And so like I mentioned, they're working on figuring out what was going on in his final hours. And at a city council meeting in early January, Jelani's brother Steve said that Jelani's death was a hate crime. Honestly, for where he was found, that doesn't sound out of reach. So 
Another one we want to update you on is Juby Monsif. And as a reminder, he was missing from Scottsdale, Arizona. And unfortunately, on December 14th of 2021, Juby's skeletal remains were found. And it just broke my heart, that poor family. He was found 11 miles from his home in a canal pump station located in Mesa, Arizona. So the way that police and authorities are believing that he got into this canal was that he might have snuck through like a fence gate area because of his body frame that he might have been able to squeeze through it. The autopsy has been done and toxicology reports are still pending. They could not determine signs of foul play and believe that he died hours after disappearing. Well, Juby's family is unsure about that because they have a lot of questions and they're not sure that you can fully rule out that there was no foul play. And they're really hoping for an in-depth investigation. I think that makes sense. When you're looking at all of the facts about his case, I don't see how law enforcement's theory could add up to what happened. Exactly. Me too. So Juby's dad, Najeev Monsef Sr., put out a statement on December 22nd. And just a note, December 22nd would have been Juby's 21st birthday. Breaks my heart. So there's a few bullet points that I just found really interesting because it says Juby's family side of things versus what they were told by authorities. And some of it, I'm just like, huh, I can't explain that. Or like, why would that have happened? I have so many questions too. Yeah. So one of the things we discussed before is the police dogs, right? They were tracking his scent. It led to like an Albertsons area, but there was no video footage. Well, from what Juby's dad says, the scent ended behind an animal clinic, which was in that parking lot. And the fenced gate that authorities believe he would have slipped through that I just discussed would have been the opposite direction. Hmm. There was no video footage, so we're not sure that Juby could have actually been there or not. It's just weird that the dogs tracked to that area. And then just something that stuck with me that Juby's father said is detectives said the dogs could have been smelling anything. And I'm like, if they're tracking dogs, right, like they're tracking a scent, why would you then write them off and be like, well, they could have just been doing whatever the hell they wanted? Yeah, that's like literally what they do. Right. Now, the only thing I would say is that the fact that there was like an animal clinic, them ending there seems interesting. That is true. Just because like that was probably an interesting smell to them. But in the same respect, they're trained to like lay down when they catch a scent of something. So like if they were signaling to their handler that like this is the place where he was, it would be very strange if they were doing that because they were distracted. Right. Yeah. Well, I just expect a lot out of dogs, right? Like I work with dogs. I know Yeah. what they're capable of. So I'm just like him riding off his own dogs. Just kind of discredits him. Yeah. How dare you, sir? Yeah. What's going on in your department? Anyways, so he did bring up to another interesting fact is the second day of his disappearance, his family asked that divers go into the canal to check the canal. And something that was new to me, I didn't realize canal systems aren't really everywhere. I guess that's an Arizona thing. It's probably other places. I had a very specific idea of what this looked like in my head, and it is not what it is. I was like, oh, it is a body of water connected to things. Because I think I'm thinking of like how our dam systems look here. Probably. Yeah. And our dams aren't connected to other things. They're like, it's a dam. Yeah. And where Juby disappeared, I don't know, obviously, the specific street that he lived on, but I've been in that area quite a bit. I even left flyers over in the shopping area where he disappeared. So there are canal structures and sometimes they're very close to some of the residential areas. So with what police thought is that he could have easily snuck through like a gate area 
where he could have easily just gotten into the canal, which is true. Like those areas are around. uh, We have one near my house, too, where there is no real gate. You could just fall in. Ours doesn't have water all the time, but super safe. That area does, to my knowledge, at least every time I've ever been over there. So where he was found was 11 miles down at a pump station. So pump station for the canal. And when I was reading that, I thought that meant that he would have traveled 11 miles via the ground, right? Either him walking or somebody picking him up. Like, that's how I read it, not understanding how a canal system worked. And then Amanda described it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it it's weird. I didn't realize it wasn't a thing. I don't know much about him. I just know, you know, like I've grown up with them being right there. So, yeah, I also see all the sad stories on our news when they have to rescue dogs and various things that fall into these canals. But anyways, his family had asked that divers go into the water to check it out two days after. And they said no, because unfortunately, divers can't see in that water. Like it's too hard to see through. And then their response to it was, if he was in there, he would float in two to three days, which, okay, a lot of people travel around the canal. Again, I don't know his the specific one, but I do know in Scottsdale, there's a lot of like bike paths and stuff that run along the canal. So if there was a body in it, normally someone that's walking or biking or doing something would have noticed, right? It just feels so callous. It does. It really does. So then they also said that his body would have hit the first grate within three to five days. So either way, within a week, if his body's in this water, we would know is essentially what they're telling this family, right? Yeah. Well, a week later, a helicopter did fly over the canal and assured the family that nobody's in the canal because they could see straight through it. Hmm. Interesting. So like if his body was in there, which the level of decay and that it was skeletalized, like it sounds like he was in water for a long time. But like, how was it missed this long is my question. Yeah. So in addition, something else that his father brings up is that his family was told two weeks before he was found that all electronics had been checked and no evidence was shown that Juby had contact with a stranger. But during their final meeting with police, they were told that some needed to be examined still. So it's weird that they're like, we've ruled it out, but we haven't checked. But there could be more. Right. That's weird. Yeah. So his family doesn't believe that he found, you know, that particular area by himself. Like they're saying, oh, he went through this gate. They're like, Juby had never been over there before. So if it's out of his routine, we don't believe that he would just walk over there willingly, go through this random gate and then fall in a canal. They believe the assumption is made by police out of convenience because then it ends the story. He fell in. He drowned. Done. Yeah. Their theory is that Juby was picked up near his house and that somebody put his body in the canal over one of the railings tied with a weight. And that would answer some of those questions, I guess, why it didn't go the route that it should have in the time frame it should have or that it didn't float. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. And I feel like I'm always a little hesitant to believe something that's very specific, that is unknown, right? Like, because he was picked up, murdered, thrown over a railing with a weight. Like, those are a lot of details. But I don't see any other explanation that gets you to Juby was found here, died soon after, and was in water this entire time. Right. That isn't that. Like, that's the only thing I could think of that would make sense. Is it possible that do people try to swim in those? Not really. It's hard to get out. I would never want to jump into one because I wouldn't be able to get out. 
But would he have thought about that? See, that's the thing. They're saying that it was somewhere that he wouldn't have gone only because he had never gone there before. And it sounds like he was like strict with his routine in a sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and remember, he was last seen the evening of September 23rd. He was found December 14th. So that's a pretty long time frame. And again, I I know I say like we have canals here. I've grown up with them. Like I know what they are. I don't know their full operations or like how certain water moves or like how fast it moves. But going off of what Juby's dad is saying where body would have floated or it would have hit the first grate within a time frame. That is weird that they're told that. And then it's like, oh, but no, he just he got into the canal station in Mesa, which isn't I mean, it's 11 miles away, not terribly far. But like, why did it take that long for him to get there then? What else is missing in the story if he did indeed fall in? Yeah, that makes sense. So just an interesting thing that I found in one of the articles from Arizona, too, is that there was a medical study that was done and it took information from May of 2017 to January of 2020. And it said that 73% of all wandering incidents involving autistic children resulted in a drowning death. That is so heartbreaking. It's a really high statistic. And I, I mean, Juby's not a child, but yeah, his mindset, they say, is like a child. So it's still weird to me that in the middle of the night, he'd get up and be like, I'm going to go check out the canal right now. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a fun time, especially if it's not a thing that he is familiar with. Exactly. Because I mean, regardless of who you are and where you are, generally, you don't plan to go to a place in the middle of the night that you've never been to that could be dangerous on purpose. Right, right. And especially there's no reason like what led him to have that thought of I'm going to leave the house at this moment. Agreed. So that's the last update that we have for Juby. We'll keep updating as more comes through. I'm really hoping that his family does get the investigation. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the best we can hope for is closure for them. Yeah. Because whether there was somebody else involved or not, they're going to always wonder if there's no investigation. Yeah. Right. And like it kind of does seem like maybe there was when you look at kind of the facts and the timeline of events and how it unfolded. So I think it's reasonable to have those lingering questions. Absolutely. And that actually does it for True Crime Digest 10. Yeah, this was a, a shorter one. We also have the Valo update. So you got two episodes this week. So when you're done with this, go to Valo. Yeah, a twofer. All right. And with that, have a good weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps. 